0: The reading this evening is from John the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 17 and then 31 through 35. Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him, and that's why he said, not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example, and just as I have done, you also must do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who are sent greater than the one who has sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now the human one has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify the human one in himself, and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jewish leaders, I also tell you now, where I am going, you can't come. But I give you this commandment, a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you. So you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. The Word of God for the people of God. God.
1: Okay, so I um, named this sermon Good Leaders Follow. And when I text that message to Jim, he said, oh, great, is there something I'm supposed to get out of this? So I hope we all get something out of it. Leadership. Now, that's what you call a buzzword in our culture and our lexicon. In fact, the pertinent question that all facets of our society seem to be trying to answer is this. What makes a great leader? And it's not just a pertinent question in the traditional areas we might think of, such as commerce, government, education, the military, religious or not-for-profit, but also in sports, entertainment, and social spheres as well. Across the board, we are striving to define, develop, and deliver great leaders. While this isn't factually verifiable, just anecdotal but I've lived long enough to know that there are many great bosses and leaders out there. I know, I work with one and yet there are probably twice as many if not more inadequate, ineffective and ill-informed leaders. Some unsuccessful leaders view their role as having supreme an undisputable authority. They rarely feel the need to solicit feedback or input from anyone else in the company or organization. They make the rules, and everybody else better follow them. Their ideas and ways of doing things is the only way. And if you've ever worked with someone like that, you know how truly unpleasant, uninspiring, And unproductive, it really is. Do you guys remember that show on CBS called Undercover Boss? Remember that? It ran for eight seasons. I I had to go look that up. Um, It's a reality TV show, so I'm sure there was some creative editing going on. But the overall concept, if you've never watched it, is that the show profiled major American companies and organizations. Some examples were 7-Eleven, the CEO of Churchill Downs, Roto-Rooter, 1-800-Flowers, Choice Hotels, Frontier Airlines, and the Chicago Cubs, to name just a few. The show sent a CEO or a president of a company undercover to see what the people on the front lines or in the entry-level positions of their company or organization experienced in their job so that the leader might gain new insight and be inspired and hear and see how things were really working in that company. And sometimes the boss was disguised as a customer or a client. Other times he or she was given the task to pose as a new entry-level employee and that was a very humbling experience for, say, like, the CEO of a hotel chain to be trained as a housekeeper for a day. Or the president of a professional sports franchise toiling as a concession stand worker. All while experiencing this alongside the real-life workers and employees who actually do this for a living. While this television show was, you know, for entertainment value, Many new and productive ideas actually emerged from the boss getting close enough to the everyday work or workers to see and appreciate how things were really being done. And in some cases, those undercover bosses were directly influenced by their workers and their their suggestions. So it's kind of cool. By watching the show, you could see that for the most part that they had selected Thoughtful and talented leaders of these large corporations who were not afraid to take a cue or suggestion for one of their employees, even the most entry-level of employees. The same cannot be said for everyone in leadership roles. Many bosses are not willing to engage with their employees and learn from them, and in this way a breakdown occurs within the organization. Inflexible and uninformed leadership causes dysfunction within, and it doesn't inspire people to do or be their best. Now, not often do I quote the University of Missouri, but for you Mizzou fans, on their website, they had a leadership page with information and training regarding to leadership because it's a very hot topic. It was called Leadership, Getting It Done, and it states, let's start with this simple statement. You nor I can be a good leader, unless we are, or can be, a good follower. The characteristics of each position are very similar. There are people who may be good followers, who do not make good leaders, or even want to be leaders. But there are no good leaders who are not good followers. Sure, there are some people who think they are too good to be a follower. I bet their parade has only one person in it, themselves. I didn't write this. They did. The skills that make for good followers also make for good leaders. So there you have it. To be a good leader, you also have to be a good follower. Now, Jesus is and was a great teacher and leader. And yet he demonstrated that he could be a great follower or servant as well. You see, Jesus' style of leading is probably more appropriately called servant leadership. I want to share with you a small piece from a Canadian-based university called Trinity Western. Um, and their website, they talk about some of the core values that they expect their students to graduate with. And one of them is by becoming a servant leader. And it correctly points out through their uh, information That there is a biblical basis for this kind of leadership style that they want their students to adhere to. They even call it the leadership style of Jesus. Did you know Jesus had a leadership style? Jesus explained, I'm quoting, that his style of servant leadership in relation to the self-seeking and domineering method of leadership that his followers were used to, that's not where he was going. Remember James and John asked Jesus if he could grant to them the privilege of sitting on his right and left in positions of leadership in his kingdom? But Jesus explained to them that their philosophy of leadership was not to be modeled after that of the Gentiles and the great men of the world. Remember in Mark, Jesus said, whoever would be first among you must be servant of all. And later, the one who rules, Jesus taught, should be like the one who serves. And then they talked about, and I think is so appropriate for tonight, that the classic Christian model of how a leader must be a servant is found in John 13, with Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Jesus' life of service originated from his loving relationship to God Having the right attitude is the fundamental key to servant leadership. No one is fit to lead as a servant until that person has given himself or herself to leadership that is greater than his or her own. Jesus was prepared to serve everyone, even the one who would ultimately betray him. We heard that in the scriptures that Jim was talking about tonight. By giving himself sacrificially and with love, In washing his disciples' feet, he did not diminish, but rather enhanced his position of influence as their teacher. And finally, servant leadership is a way of life rooted in one's character that translates values and dispositions into behavior that serves without seeking external rewards. Now, I appreciate this discourse on the biblical basis of what we now call Jesus' servant leadership model. I mean, that's very academic. I really appreciate it. It's, it's interesting. But I want to pull back the curtain, maybe just a little bit tonight, to see if there's more going on here with this example of the washing of the disciples' feet that we hear about in John 13. And I, I wonder what it might actually tell us about Jesus' and the depths of his humility and his insight. You see, what I found fascinating about this scene that John lays out in chapter 13 is we find Jesus and his disciples in the upper room, just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem, sharing their last meal together, the Last Supper. This scene clearly exposes Jesus' leadership style and how it provided his disciples both an inspiring example and a poignant lesson in servant leadership. Jesus' illustration on how to serve others transcends thousands of years and cultures and proves to still be relevant today. And what is even more exciting and awe-inspiring about Jesus' approach to leadership is that maybe... Perhaps, well, I like to imagine it's possible that Jesus got the idea of washing the feet of his disciples from something that had touched him very deeply and from someone who loved him deeply, Mary of Bethany. Do you recall the events just six days prior to the Last Supper? Remember the account of Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and the newly raised from the dead Lazarus, and the lavish and beautiful gift that Mary literally poured out on Jesus when he and his disciples were the guests in their home. When she surprised everyone and got out a jar of expensive nard or perfume and tenderly washed Jesus' feet with it, wiped his feet with her hair, an extreme act of devotion, compassion, intimacy, humility, and love. While some of the disciples criticized her act as wasteful or inappropriate, Jesus saw her actions as the extravagant display of love that Mary intended it to be. And perhaps that is what he used to illustrate and bring forth the disciples just days later. You see, when Mary performed this act, when she lavished this love upon Jesus, it served a purpose in that moment. It, it gave Jesus an opportunity to publicly state once again that in fact his time had come and it seemed that Mary was in tune with that fact that Jesus would not be here much longer. Perhaps the urgency she felt in, in lavishing this act of love upon her Lord. Now, the biblical commentators point to one or two things that sort of make sense in this act. You know, maybe the anointing of his feet, or it kind of resembled an anointing of a, of a dead body. At that time, they would have anointed with spices and with oils. So again, that sort of evokes that sense that she understood Jesus' impending death. There's also another uh, line of thinking, or it can can be compatible, that the expensive nature of this nard, so luxurious, it kind of makes you think back to the magi, to the wise men bringing these lavish gifts. It sort of evokes royalty or majesty. But perhaps Jesus saw something more in that extravagant act of Mary's that he carried around with him as he faced down his own sacrificial death and turned around and used it on the last night that he and his disciples would be together before his arrest, trial, torture, and crucifixion. Jesus, the ultimate loving, humble, unconventional servant leader perhaps use mary's own example of love for him her lord to illustrate the very point the very reason we're here tonight now jesus certainly could have conceived of the most appropriate and impactful way to communicate to his disciples he, he could have conjured up something that would have been just the right thing at that moment on how to serve others He had vast resources, wisdom and experience, a direct connection to God. He could have come up without all of his own. But for me, this story speaks more of Jesus and his insight. That what was done for him out of great love is that which he chose to do for his own disciples. That Jesus would recognize Mary's act and use it to teach his disciples one last time. Now, I often compartmentalize Jesus. You know, I put him in a little box. And, and some days, the box, he's divine. And he's the son of God. Ruler, king, and savior. I see him as having mighty power, miraculous, unlimited foresight, and boundless knowledge, just so much better than I. So much more than I could offer. And yet there's this other side to Jesus. His human moments where he's not just like us but one of us living in our pain and our fear and our disappointments. And you take those two parts of Jesus and you put them together and he just makes this wonderful, and compassionate leader. Someone who can see the kind and good works of another and exemplify it. He can see that his disciples, followers, and friends might actually teach him something or reveal something to him because above all, he is humble and loving. And it's that keen ability that Jesus possesses to see beyond our flawed, and human frailties, to look beyond our status or how the world sees us or even how we see ourselves. And he brings to light our best and most beautiful parts for the glory of the kingdom of God. So I wonder about us. Are we following Jesus' example of humble, loving servanthood? What would it be like if Jesus came to visit Earth undercover, like those bosses on TV, in a bad wig and some goofy glasses, to see what you and I were doing for a week, a day, an hour? What would he catch us doing? As his disciples and members of the kingdom-building efforts here on Earth, would he think we were doing a good job? Would he applaud us? Would the work we are doing be fitting of the follower of Christ, a follower of the way? Would would Jesus say, hey, Fred, hey, Barb, hey, Jenny, you've done a beautiful thing. And people all over the world will know what you have done in your memory. Would our actions inspire and please our Lord and Savior? And are we humble enough to see Christ in others, even the unlikely, the poor, the prostitute, the blind, the tax collector, the sinner, the marginalized, and see what Jesus sees? Are we willing to learn from them and see their plight, serving them as we serve the Lord? That's a lot of questions. You don't have to answer them all tonight. <laughs> so tonight we remember Jesus' extraordinary act of servant leadership, of love and humility, an astonishing example of how to love one another. And yet we also recognize the possibility, the possibility that Jesus may have modeled the behavior of, of one of his own followers and close friends, Mary of Bethany. Not a religious leader, not a rabbi, not a disciple, not a person of status or power, but of a woman who loved him deeply as her Lord and Savior. As a community of faith, we celebrate Monday, Thursday. In every aspect of our lives, let us be followers of Christ with humble behavior acts of love and engaged in service that any leader would love to implement model and follow let us recall these acts tonight the humble washing of the disciples feet as the teacher excuse me by the teacher as we are called into leadership by and for jesus and let us remember Good leaders follow. They follow Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, one of the last lessons you taught your disciples and all of us was that to be one of your followers, we must be humble enough to serve everyone. As the season of Lent comes to an end and we find ourselves in the midst of Holy Week, let us remember the impact of your actions as we strive to be both faithful followers and servant leaders. And perhaps, Lord, we can gain some of your wisdom and insight, looking to see how the faithful among us might inspire us to act in more loving ways, that we might see powerful demonstrations of your love, generosity, and grace in those who hold the least power and status among us. Amen.